And now, for the first time on the radio, it's the Brussels Insider Radio Show. Tonight, as our topic, the Conference on the Future of Europe. Plus, we welcome special guest, Konstantin Schäfer from Germany. And now, live on tape from Dublin, Ireland, it's Sabri Khalil. Thanks, Roma. Thanks for being here, everybody. Welcome, one and all, to the Brussels Insider Radio Show, where we bring out the you in EU. I'm one of your hosts, Sabri Khalil, and I'm pleased to be here with you today wherever you are in this big great old continent that many of us call home. This is the first episode of a six episode long series called the Brussels Insider Radio Show, brought to you by a small group of us students here at the School of Politics and International Relations of University College Dublin. In this series, we'd like to take you, the random citizen, on a journey to the heart of the EU, giving you a better understanding of what the EU is and does, and what it truly means to be European. We have a fun-filled program for you as we take you behind the scenes of the EU's institutions, with discussions on our current trip to our union's capital, interviews with experts and people working directly and indirectly with the EU's institutions, games for you to play with special prizes along the way for one of you lucky winners, and much more. We have a wonderful show for you today as we'll be welcoming a very special guest joining us from Germany. We'll be taking a cup of coffee with him, or rather, we'll give you our take on coffee. In other words, folks, we'll be giving you our take on the Conference of the Future of Europe. In the meantime, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show! Now, before we start with our uh, interview of the day, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Roma Fleischer. Now, Roma is a fellow EU citizen from uh, Poland. She's a fellow student here at UCD. And a fun fact about her is that she'll be visiting Japan uh, this summer and sleeping in a village of only 200 people. Hello, Roma. How are you doing today? Hi, Sophie. I am very excited to be a co-host on this great show. And I'm really hoping we can bring Europe closer to the people interested. But I am really curious to know what are you most looking forward in this show, Sabri? Well, uh, Roma, I'd say I'm looking pretty forward to the uh, to the interview that we have later. Uh, we have a great guest uh, joining us again from Germany. Um, so I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most. But of course, um, I can't wait to hear the next thing you have to present. Thank you for that, Sabri. Now, before we start, you may all be wondering what exactly is the Conference on the Future of Europe? Well, the conference was an opportunity given to European citizens chosen at random over the phone. Of course, some of them thought initially it was a scam and there was little advertisement about this. But with good convincing, 800 Europeans, old and young, from 16 to the age of 90s, people of all different races and social positions, were flown over by the EU Parliament and Commission to Strasbourg, France, and then to cities all over Europe across six months, with their final destination being Dublin, Ireland. In the last event happening in Dublin, for four days, a whole team of 90 people we had a pleasure of working with helped 200 randomly select citizens. They drafted 51 recommendations, approving 48 of them in the process. These recommendations were on the themes of economy, social justice, jobs, education, culture, youth and sport, as well as digital transformation. They will then be presented before the joint presidency of the EU that will examine these recommendations. Pretty cool. 
Pretty cool if you ask me. Um, hope that makes sense to everybody. Uh, thank you so much, Roma. Um, but now I'll just leave the mic over to you um, as we move on to a first episode only special segment, which will allow us to determine which one of you lovely listeners will be able to join us next week for a special game on the show where you will compete from show to show until our last sixth episode where one of you lucky people will win a special prize. Over to you, Roma. Thanks, Sabri. Now, our radio show does not only introduce you to interesting special guests. You can also take active part by joining one of our mini-games. This episode will feature free questions, whereas mentioned by my colleague will allow you to be guests on our next show. You can send us the answers through direct messages on Discord, or you can email us at engagingbrusselsradio at gmail.com. The top three winners that guess all of our questions correctly in the shortest amount of time will then be contacted by us and will not only have the chance to send their own questions to the next special guest, but we'll also be able to take part in our second episode for a special game. Are you ready? Here we go. Question one. Who can take part in the Conference of Europe? Question two. Which EU institutions proposed the idea of Conference on the Future of Europe? Question three. Where did the first conference take place? We are waiting for your answers. Now you have time until the end of this episode to send us your answers so that you can be a part of our next show. Back to you, Sabri. Thanks, Roma. And now it's time for the moment you've all been waiting for, the interview of the day. I'd like to first welcome my co-host, Marta Grosso, from, you might have guessed, is a fellow EU citizen from Italy. She, too, is a student here at UCD, like everyone involved in the show. <laughs> and a fun fact about her is that she no, never shows her teeth when smiling for a photo. Buongiorno, Marta. Bonjour to you, Sabri. Now, yes, sorry to disappoint you, but we don't all show our teeth like you when we smile for a photo. <laughs> well, I guess we all, not all of us do. <laughs> Anyways, I'm here to start with our interview portion of the day. Now, today we have the pleasure of interviewing our first special guest. This person is currently working in the scope of citizen participation and the liberty of democracy, and is passionate about European unification and European affairs more generally. Joining us from the home of Frankfurters and sauerkraut, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Konstantin Schaefer. Well, hello, hello, uh, Constantine. It's truly a pleasure uh, to see you again, or rather hear you again, since this is a radio show after all. Um, now, you're the project manager in EFOC, and you contributed to the organization of the European Citizens Panel within the Conference on the Future of Europe, which is where we met and got to work together. So before we dwell more into like the topic of the day, um, could you tell us just a bit more about yourself and things we might not have already mentioned. Yes, hello, um, both of you and all the listeners out there. Um, well, I am Konstantin. I am, a, as you said, project manager of the European Citizen Panels um, in the Conference on the Future of Europe. I'm actually a political scientist uh, who studied European integration and um, political behavior and political participation in my studies and um, did also a PhD on it. 
and so afterwards joined um, this project, um, which is super exciting and very innovative. As Sabri and I had the amazing chance to participate and touch firsthand on this unprecedented European initiative, we would like to understand what is the point of view of someone who practically organized this conference. What were the main challenges experienced during the organization of the whole conference? Well, I think there's, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I think one major challenge is how the process was set up and structured from the beginning on, um, which is that from the beginning on, it was never fully clear where it will end up. So um, we basically, it was, let's say the methodology of the whole process was developed along the way, along doing it. So this was, of course, a major challenge for everyone who was organizing it, but also everyone who was participating in it. And let's say, specifically looking at the European citizen panels, there are, of course, some major challenges that also are very specific to this part. And of course, uh, uh, I'd like to, to elaborate on it. First of all, for example, the multilingualism of it. I mean, we have all of the people who are involved in this project have maybe organized similar projects before um, with small scale citizen participation, even national um, deliberations on, for example, climate change or other topics. But to do it on a European level, on a, on a transnational scale, this is something else. And this is something that has never been done before in the way that we did it. And as I said, one major challenge here was, what are we doing with multilingualism? What are we doing with citizens who do not speak each other's languages. And uh, of course, there's a lot of <laughs> tools that we used, uh, whether it's about automated translation in, in certain documents, whether it's about um, simultaneous interpretation during the deliberations. But I think it, it, it stayed a, a constant challenge throughout the process to always think multilingual um, when designing the process. And then of course, also the, the whole COVID situation, uh, the corona, virus pandemic was a big challenge um, because we were faced with a situation where we could do events um, in uh, on-site face-to-face at certain in certain member states and in certain countries in certain cities but not in others or in some cities for example we had to um, do basically hybrid events where some participants were able to be on-site and some were not able because they, for example, did not have the correct um, vaccination status, right? So they basically uh, needed to, to stay at home and do it remotely. So basically we had participants who were on-site and some who were um, online. And so to combine these two worlds was also, of course, a particular challenge, especially when you combine it then with the other challenges, like, for example, the multilingual aspects. Yeah, I see. I bet it was pretty demanding. And in the light of these challenges, what is your personal learning outcomes from all this? I mean, it sounds pretty stressful being the person in charge of all the organization at the weekend, not only for facilitators and assistants, but also to the other partners like Mission Publique, Deliberativa, and the Danish Board of Technology? 
Yes, what you say is interesting because um, of, call, of course this whole element of, of having a lot of different people coming together from a lot of different countries, that also refers to the organizational structure here, right? So I think on a, on a meta level, we have, to, we have to say that it was also a big learning experience, not only for the citizens, but also for us, um, first of all. Because as you said correctly, um, we had different partners from different countries. Of course, it all starts with the common secretariat of the Conference on the Future of Europe. So this is basically a body that administers the whole process where we have representatives of different EU institutions, the parliament, the commission, and the council, most notably. So even here, we have a, basically a body which, which ad ad administered and, and worked together with us during the conference that was set up and was constructed from different elements that um, needed to find themselves, or let's say, um, or each other on the way and needed to compromise a lot on, on the methodology and, and different steps of the process. And then of course, we as, as conductors or main implementers of the panels, we also came from different countries. So we have a French partner, as you said, we had a Spanish partner, a Danish partner, and then us as a German partner. And of course, there's also different <laughs> cultures behind our, um, different companies and organizations um, and not only different cultures in terms of um, country of origin but also in terms of what people usually do some are let's say more academics some are more consultants some are more service providers so this also was an interesting learning experience um, to, to to work together basically um, in this consortium but um, i think what is the what is the main lessons what we learned first of all i think the main lesson that is not only our lesson, but also for whole Europe is that it works. <laughs> it works actually to bring people together from all across Europe um, based on a random selection um, to put them together e even or either in a digital a virtual environment or also in a face-to-face uh, -face, um, analog classical environment to bring them together to have deliberations um, simultaneously interpreted by, by professional interpreters and actually to, to produce at the end outcomes and, and outputs, in our case, recommendations that are based on, 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 on discussions between people from different countries uh, in their native languages. And this is, again, as I said, something that hasn't been done before. Um, and so that it's itself that independently on, on, on the recommendations themselves, what, what was in there, it's actually super exciting to see that it works, the process has worked. And of course, the next step, and this is maybe the, the major challenge ahead, is whether we can transform the recommendations of these citizen panels into something meaningful in the political process. And um, that's uh, probably, we come back to this in, in the interview, um, what uh, what is the other side of the of the of the coin here is that we don't only have citizen participation um, and, and these deliberations in the conference on the future of Europe, but we also have another part of it, which is called the conference plenary, where we have a lot of national politicians, uh, members of the European Parliament, and other institutional and organizational representatives who actually try to transform now. The citizens' recommendations into political proposals, and this is, um, yeah, of course, another uh, big challenge. And and 
a lot of learnings that will um, be derived from that process. Well, I guess you kind of just briefly touched upon it, um, but my big question is, you know, um, and I think that was also a question for um, many of the citizens that attended and uh, most of the people that attended, um, what is next for the Conference on the Future of Europe uh, in your view? I mean, as you've mentioned, uh, we know that everyone has made, you know, several recommendations uh, or the citizens made recommendations, 51, I believe to be exact, and out of those 51, 48 of them were approved by the citizens themselves. Um, now, what, what, what is next for these several uh, recommendations? What, what are the next steps and the outcomes in this process? You talked about a plenary that's coming up um, and, and what's gonna be your role uh, in all of that? All right. Yeah, so let's start first with um, the, the panels again. So what we, what we did here in the conference was to conduct four panels, right? So the panel that, that you just mentioned who, who approved the, the 48 recommendations, that was the panel on, on economy, social justice, um, education, youth, culture, sports, and digital transformation. But there were also other panels. We had one on uh, migration and the EU's role in the world. We had one on uh, European democracy, values, rights, and security. And then we had another panel on uh, climate and um, health. So all those panels produced recommendations, um, usually between 50 and 40, and no, 40 and 50, I think. So overall, we have 178 recommendations. This is, of course, a lot. And actually, oh, wow. <laughs> that's, of <laughs> course, a lot. And it's actually too much to really um, condense it. But what, that's actually what's happening now. So in the conference plenary, we have, I think, about, I think about 450 people sitting there. A, a quarter is citizens. Another quarter is MEPs. Then another quarter is national um, parliamentarians. And the last quarter is made up of, of different representatives. But in this setting, we have working groups, um, nine working groups. And in every working group, they, they deal with a specific topic. They take some of the recommendations, bundle them together and try to develop proposals. Um, that's what they call it. And these political proposals will then um, further discussed um, between these different stakeholders, these different parties, and then they become, at the final uh, event uh, in May, they become conclusions. And the conclusions of the conference will then be basically resubmitted, or, or let's say submitted to the, the three institutions, the new institutions, who then, after the 9th of May, need to follow up on them. So they, it's actually up to them then to transform what comes out of the conference into, into politics. Um, so to talk about my role um, in, the, in the plenary, after having now organized and facilitated and yeah, even designed in the first place, these European citizen panels, this kind of role has now ended, but we now get into another role, which is basically to advise and coach the, our citizens who are sitting in the conference plenary. And this is about 20 citizens from each of the panels meaning we have 80, 80 citizens overall who sit in this plenary and really uh, take ownership and um, responsibility for these recommendations and try to argue why that these recommendations should become 
um, part of the, of the final conclusions. And of course, discuss them, also make compromises with the different other parties, always in the spirit of being an ambassador for their citizen panel that they actually came from. And so our work is really now focused on helping them to do that job. Meaning if they, for example, uh, write a speech, then we could support them. Or um, if they have the internal meetings between the citizens, we will also support them because remember, some people don't even speak the same language. Some people don't even speak English also. And this is something there where we have to um, facilitate and support this process. Um, yeah, and this basically it, it's, it's from organizational matters to really content related matters where we try to support citizens to have an impact. I must say on that point about, you know, everybody speaking uh, different languages, um, having the privilege of being at, at, the, at the last uh, European citizens panel, it was really impressive, um, you know, being able to speak in your native language and having everything translated like that. Um, but yeah, but any, anyways, Constantine, um, you kind of touched upon it a bit before, um, and you, I guess that's kind of the, the sense we get, um, or the sense we're getting during this interview is that um, this, these conferences, this, this, this overall conference um, works. And um, my question to you is, you know, what's your vision um, in the long run for the conference and the future of Europe, and even in more general, more generally, uh, these types of you know citizen debates, whether that's at the EU level, local, national, um, are they effective? And this is, of course, a um, a balance and a conclusion that cannot be made just yet. Um, whether they work. I can, I mean, we can say that the process worked uh, so far. Um, it produced recommendations that was their mandate. Um, the mandate was to produce a set of recommendations that is now integrated into the plenary's work. Whether they are really effective um, and whether the process will be, a, let's say, a successful process and being judged like that is, is something we have to see um, maybe only years afterwards. <laughs> Because we need, to, we need to see how actually political institutions deal with these citizens' recommendations. It could be, for example, um, that political actors just use the recommendations and instrumentalize them, for example, um, to support their own agenda that they have already. So that would be the case, for example, if a political institution, let's say uh, the European Commission or the European Parliament, for example, maybe some MEPs, would only look through the recommendations and try to find the ones that they have, that they would also prefer or that they maybe have also drafted themselves before, something similar, let's say. Um, so this kind of cherry picking would be, of course, not, I mean, it could, um, or they would argue for why this is a success, but then if it doesn't have, if, if not all recommendations are taken into account, then I think the judgment is quite ambivalent or ambiguous. So I think um, whether these processes work um, can only be judged later. But talking about maybe what is the ideal future for those processes, of course, it, it shouldn't be a, a one-time event. I think most people who have participated, who have organized, who have been present in this process, think that this was an amazing event that that is not only great to experience, but also that can really produce something um, and, and make 
and makes sense. So they produce, I mean, and, and maybe that's, we should have talked about it from the first moment on. What do they actually produce? They provide politics and um, uh, political actors with a very interesting element that cannot be produced anywhere else, which is they produce a position of citizens from all over Europe, from all of our backgrounds that have that is informed because we provide extensive expert input here that is actually deliberated on, meaning that a lot of citizens from different backgrounds have put in their expertise from daily lives, their, their experiences, their, their visions, their perspectives into it. So it's not only a survey, let's say, that where you ask citizens the questions and they would give you an immediate answer. No, it's actually a result of, an, of a lengthy process where a lot of different arguments have been weighed against each other and where we have found a compromise between very, very different people. And I mean, it's not only people from different countries, it's also people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds and so forth. So this is very interesting to see also for political actors, where is actually the compromise um, in the European society on a specific question? So I think um, now we are dealing of course with a lot of different topics. And this is maybe also a weakness of the conference that it's not restricted to specific questions that are asked to citizens. But in the future, I think this is a, definitely some route to follow, that we can have more regular citizen assemblies on the European level on more specific topics, more specific questions, maybe questions that are really hotly debated, because this is in the really, let's say, very polarized questions and, and policy areas. This is where to get an insight in where the compromise lays is super important in the future, because nowadays you have the the feeling that a lot of questions and debates are so polarized and there's just one side and the other. And you always ask, where's the middle ground between the different camps? And these formats I think, can provide you with a very, very good insight into where middle ground can be found. And so this is definitely a future for, for deliberative processes at the European level. Um, and I hope that they will also be institutionalized in a way that they are regularly conducted and also inform the policy making um, on the European level, not only um, being a process that is not integrated into the overall framework of, of policy making in the EU. As you said, we still cannot know if these kinds of citizen participation initiatives are effective before the political process actually takes place. But in general, do you have any thoughts about how to possibly improve such initiatives? Are there, we can say, flaws that can be improved from what has been your experience in organizing this conference? Yes. I mean, of course, since it's not over yet, it's, it's very hard to draw um, lessons, fully fledged lessons already from it. But I think the biggest flaws, um, as I see it now, is first that the topics were too broad. So as I said, uh, there was one panel that had to deal with um, strong economy, social justice and jobs, education, youth, culture and sports, and digital transformation. So this panel had basically eight different topics, very broad, um, to deal with in three sessions, so three weekends. So there's just a balance of how much the panel had to deal with and how 
little time they had doing so. This needs to be more or less reversed, I think, to, to be really effective to, and also to make the process better, but also make the output more sound. So I think this is definitely um, a first, let's say, flaw in the design that um, we need more time. I think for good deliberations, you need a bit more time and lesser topic or let's say narrower topics, maybe specific questions that you want to have an answer to. I think there are also other um, things that, that could have been done better. Probably the, the other major field is that from the beginning on, and this is something I said before, it was not super clear for many um, citizens, but also people who are org organizing it, where this process will um, end, uh, how this process will end and what politics will do afterwards. And it's still not 100% clear how the citizens' recommendations will make a difference in political um, process, as you said, in the future. So I think this is also something we will learn from this process in the next months and years, maybe. And this is something that we will definitely implement for future, future processes that we can better tell from the beginning on what, what will be the end goal of this process, how, where will the recommendations end, and what people will do with it. And I think this is um, super important for citizens, but also for the whole society, that there's full transparency and full clarity of this whole process and uh, where, it's, where it ends. Well, uh, these are really important points. We all hope such an initiative will, will be followed up in the future and that politics will take these recommendations into account within the political process. Now we have a much clearer picture of how the conference worked and on how this world of citizen participation is crucial for democratic processes to work at their maximum pace. Thanks a lot again for your time and precious insights, Constantine. See you, see you soon in other EU projects. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much, Constantine. Uh, this was really insightful, and I hope it, you know, allowed um, everyone out there, all of our listeners who, you know, probably weren't part of this uh, of this conference, to kind of get a better sense of what it was all about. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, is there anything you'd like to say or? Um, thank you for, for having invited me. And um, yeah, I, I hope that everyone out there will also try to um, get informed about these processes because it's not something that should be restricted only to um, a small bubble or, or to, to a very interested uh, circle of, of people. But it's something that I think um, concerns the whole European society and uh, something we should all be part of, um, especially because there's a, <laughs> maybe that's not mentioned before, but there is this multilingual platform where people can also feed in their ideas from all over Europe and can discuss um, the future of Europe um, also when they're not selected in these uh, European citizen panels. Do, do you have a name for that or we can look it up afterwards? Um... It's a, it's a multilingual digital platform of the Conference on the Future of Europe. Um, okay. and you definitely can find it up. So if you just Google that, that you should find. Sure. All right. Well, thanks again, Constantine. This was a really interesting chat. Um, and as you may all have realized, uh, the organizational process of this con 
conference was anything but easy. Um, hope to see you in the future, um, Constantine, and uh, wishing you the best um, for the road ahead. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, this concludes our interview uh, part of uh, the radio show. Um, time uh, to um, go to our following um, segment. Now, uh, I get to say that this first episode is uh, coming to an end, folks. But before we do so, it's time to get back to Roma uh, with our three questions that will allow three lucky listeners to join us next week for a special game on the show, where you will compete from show to show until our last fixed episode, where only one of you lucky people out there will win a special prize. Back to you, Roma. Thank you, Sabri. All right, everyone, this is the final opportunity for you to win to become guests on our next show. As I explained it before, you can send us the answer through direct messages on Discord or you can email us on engagingbrusselsradio at gmail.com. The top three winners that can guess all of our questions correctly in the shortest amount of time will be contacted by us and will not only have the chance to send their own questions to the next episode's special guests, but we'll also be able to take part in our second episode for a special game. Are you ready? This is your last chance. Question one. Who can take part in the Conference of Europe? Question two. Which EU institutions proposed the idea of the conference? Question three. Where did the first Conference on the Future of Europe take place? I will repeat the questions one last time for everybody. Question one who can take part in the Conference of Europe. Question two, which EU institutions proposed the idea of Conference on the Future of Europe? Question three, where did the first Conference on the Future of Europe take place? Slide into our DMs or email us as soon as you can. Back to you, Sabri. Well, you heard her, folks. Now, for all you live listeners here on Discord, you can just private message me with what you think the answer is. If not, as she said, just email us uh, on our email address, engagingbrusselsradio, all attached, no caps, at gmail.com. Now, um, you have until the end of this episode to send your answers, which is basically now. <laughs> the winners will be announced next week. Um, all right. Well, that's all for today, folks. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. This has been a successful start to our Brussels Insider radio show. Thanks to our special guest, Constantine Traffer, who, had, who we had the utmost pleasure of having today on our show. If you'd like to check out our a multilingual digital platform, which will show you all the reports that people posted, the reports on the plenaries, and all the recommendations, just go to HTTPS two dots slash double slash future eu dot europa dot eu slash that will be put down in uh the uh chat below for our discord live listeners that's uh https two dots double slash f-u-t-u-r-e-u dot europa dot e-u slash um all right i'd like to give special thanks to our radio show team vicky gonzalez pauso marta grosso and roma fleischer who have worked 
hard to bring you this show today. Thanks to all of them for being the amazing radio show team members that they are. I'd also like to give thanks to our professor James Cross, who helped coordinate this project. Finally, I'd like to give special thanks to my own Yes Man Radio Show team and the Brussels Insider podcast team of 2021, whose two shows greatly inspired us in the overall structure of this show. And thank you, you amazing audience, for being here along the way and being the heart of the show. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at Brussels underscore Insider. That's Brussels underscore Insider, all attached, no caps, where you can ask questions you'd like us to ask on our next shows, participate in polls to be guests on our show, follow us during our trip in Brussels, and of course, it would mean a lot to see your support. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you next time where we discuss our trip to Brussels and more. We hope we've brought out the U in EU. See you next week.